episode four of season one of the Matriarch podcast, Sex Season. Um, this week our topic is bodily autonomy and me and Lisa were just FaceTiming before and I think we've got a lot to talk about once again, surprise, surprise. So yeah, I'm really excited. We're kind of chatting about beforehand, like we, I think we both came into it with like one or two ideas, but we weren't entirely sure where we wanted to go because obviously we've had the consent episode and we were like, how do we make a bit of a different chat from you know just consent as a whole but I think when we were chatting beforehand we came up with like a lot of ideas and I think we ended up with more content than I thought that we were initially gonna have so I'm really excited to talk to everyone about it yeah Um, no me too um and I think as well because neither of us were actually um part of the recording for the consent episode so it'll be nice to get some kind of different perspectives from the other girls um from the other girls' opinions on on that. And just briefly, I think some of the other things we were planning on talking about, kind of um, sex work um, and feminism and consent and the male gaze and how all those, all those things overlap. And ultimately, the degree to which women ever have full bodily autonomy under the system of patriarchy that we live in. Um, and I think, Alicia, you wanted to speak about some other things as well. Yeah, I was planning to also chat a little bit about, you know, disability in sex and how, you know, trying to avoid infantilization when it comes to talking about disabled people who have sex. So that's kind of like the general direction where we're going. And I think we should probably start off by talking about, you know, what do we consider as bodily autonomy? You know, what do Lulu and I kind of think it means? And I think personally, when I talk about consent I'm thinking about you know in a certain scenario uh, having the free will to choose to do a certain act or choose to partake in a certain thing Uh, whereas I think bodily autonomy to me is more about the concept as a whole you know the um the idea that I basically am able to with a consenting party you know another consenting party engage in like acts that I (laughs) that I want to I have control over my own body and I can sort of choose whether or not I want to uh engage in things sexually so there is a lot of overlap obviously Lulu what what do you kind of think yeah I mean obviously the sort of dictionary definition of bodily autonomy is sort of the right to have control over what is done to your body and or what is not done to your body um so it is uh to a to a significant degree a lot to do with choice um but I think it's interesting, especially re- relating specifically to sex, because I would say socially and culturally body o- bodily autonomy is kind of a very different experience for men and women, which I think is why there's quite a lot of overlap with bodily autonomy, because obviously it's something that applies to to every, it's, it's like it legally applies to everything, like your right to, to just have control over your body. But I think specifically for this podcast, um what's most relevant is sex and consent because women often have their bodily autonomy taken away from them whether in that context whether whether it's sex work or just sex or obviously cases of instances of rape and being taken advantage of so I think it's definitely a very um unbalanced thing when it comes to sexual relationships and men have a very different experience with their bodily autonomy yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think it's um, looking at these kind of things from uh, a female gaze, if you will, um, kind of presents a very different picture to someone who's trying to look at it from a different perspective. Um, 
I think, yeah, when we're talking about bodily autonomy as well, like it's obviously like a legal kind of term in, in a way as well. So people use about it, use it when they talk about abortion, when they talk about, you know, uh, euthanasia. Sexual assault. Yeah, euthanasia, sexual assault. It's not just necessarily ethical yeah. issue um, yeah. in our lives, our personal experiences are most likely to be relating to the our, the auto- autonomy over our sex lives and our reproductive systems yeah and it also ties into what we were talking about last week which was you know uh contraception and informed consent when it comes to lots of different things so medically informed consent you know it's a really big topic um i think as well it ties in a lot to what i was going to talk about which was a uh, like disability and sex so because it's a, a something it's a perspective which I think a lot of people listening to this podcast maybe won't have because unless it affects you it's one of those things which you might not have thought about particularly so I think it'll be really I'm really interested to hear your take on on it yeah no I mean I'm obviously as well no expert it's just sort of it's 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 an interesting topic to talk about because I think disability in general is um not really spoken about as much as other things especially there's still it seems to be there still seems to be something of a stigma or taboo I don't want to say that because it's not there shouldn't be one you know what I mean but it's that there is something when it comes to disability and sex do you do you think so yeah I just think disabled people get left out of the conversation so often not just in sex but just a lot and generally their bodily autonomy is often debated without their input so yeah without their presence you know yeah. what I mean um it's 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 like a it's quite a big thing I think as well especially when it gets to um uh people that are more um physically impaired as well and also it's difficult to know which which language as well to use when speaking about this because the the key the key point here is to avoid infantilization of disabled people you know what I mean it's it's to avoid these conversations that view all people with physical or intellectual disabilities um as children because the problem is is that th- this happens a lot so for example my brother has down syndrome and one of the things you always hear <laughs> when like people talk about down syndrome is that oh it's so lovely they're like happy children forever no no they're not no he is not he's not a happy child he's an 18 year old who can sometimes be a pain in the ass he has thoughts and emotions of his own but this is genuinely like a a a big thing when people are talking about disability i feel a lot with the children in need sort of thing coming up as well there's this idea that disabled people are to be almost like pitied in a way or you're meant to look at them and go like oh aren't they brave for existing no they're not they're just existing they're existing in a world that in many ways is not meant for them or accommodating for them I should say not meant you know what I mean it's not accommodating for them but it's not brave just you know getting up every day and living your life you know um and I think it's really important to talk about disability and sex because like I said it's it's seen as like taboo you know what I mean it, there's this infantilization where they're like oh people with disabilities are like children so that they can't engage in like sex well this is not this is not like true you know <laughs> disabled people have sex you know obviously there are more conversations and caveats and nuances depending on the type of disability that people have but 
I think that I've seen a lot of like TikTokers, a lot of YouTubers. Um, and oh my goodness, I was going to talk about a specific example, but they've literally just gone from my mind. Who are who talk quite openly about disability and sex and having sex as a disabled person? Because you know, but it's like it's it's important, I think. To, to realize that people with disabilities have bodily autonomy as well and just because someone might require care from someone and uh, I know help doing physical things or help doing other things does not mean that they don't have any autonomy. It's, it seems like the discussion um, from what you're saying lacks a bit of nuance it's kind of either disabled people have complete bodily autonomy or they're incapable of of, of yeah. doing things for themselves. It's kind of the lines drawn about what disabled people should quote or unquote do is drawn quite like harshly by like yeah. public opinion or popular opinion. Um, and that's obviously every single disabled person has a different lived experience. So yeah, it's 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 really it's really uh, it's a very unnuanced conversation, and it's often done by people who have very limited awareness of disability, most of the time who aren't disabled in any way, shape, or form themselves. So, for example, I I am <laughs> I'm dyslexic, so that counts as like a um, an intellectual disability. But I don't think anyone would ever start having a conversation with me and saying it's unethical for me to have sex. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, with someone who doesn't have dyslexia. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, that would not be a thing. So there is obviously a kind of way that we look at some disability as acceptable, if you know what I mean. I'm saying that in quotes. Acceptable and some as unacceptable. And I think that's the key issue because if neurotypical and non-disabled people are making, are drawing these boundaries like then it, it's not appropriate because they have don't really have a lot of knowledge about you know actually the disabilities themselves or like pe like yeah the people who are disabled you know but yeah, yeah it's like I also have a chronic illness as well so and that counts as a physical disability again but again because I am a verbal like I present as someone who is non-disabled in many ways no one would think twice about having this debate with me but it seems like the people that are mainly affected are disabled people who kind of present or like have very visible disabilities and it's a real issue because it means that there's like a big divide within the community between people that are treated almost like again in quotes like normal and people who aren't so the issue with bodily autonomy when it comes to that is that it seems like it's being drawn on a much more like aesthetically pleasing or whether you fit into a category as opposed to any actual nuanced conversation and that kind of leads on to an interesting point which is as soon as someone's bodily autonomy itself is the idea that you have control over your own body but as soon as someone doesn't present in a way which they appear to appear quote-unquote to have control over their thoughts feelings or bodies then so is it then someone else is deciding what level of bodily autonomy they have but that's a paradox that's not what bodily autonomy is so it's kind of interesting and that kind of it kind of leads me on to thinking about sex work and women and their bodily autonomy because and the relationship to the male gaze and patriarchy and who gets to decide 
what women can and can't do with their bodies as as well which is why things like OnlyFans are really interesting because it's sort of women reclaiming their bodily autonomy when it comes to sex work in an industry that in many cases still is in, in, in most cases still is and has been traditionally extremely unsafe for women mm. I think it's a really interesting a really interesting to talk about I mean a thing to talk about I mean like we were saying before the starting position for me and like I, and I'll let you jump in with yours as well in a second is I am in no means an expert at all about sex work um I'm pro sex work being seen sex work seen as real work um but I think there are some really interesting discussions to have about like the caveats about male gaze and commercialization um what about you yeah me too I'm exactly the same I'm extremely pro sex work and pro legalization especially of sex work um but I also think that some of the sort of liberal feminist discussion around sex work being an exclusively empowering experience for women just because they're being paid for it or they if they've chosen the fact that if you've chosen to do sex work it automatically is an empowering experience that for me that negates the fact that that choice is made in within a patriarchy so it's not ever it's it's a obviously it's a choice and you're exerting your your right to bodily autonomy but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's always a good thing and like I would say that as well I'm not by no means an expert and kind of everything I'm speaking about is what I've consumed sort of online but then I do try and get all my information from like I follow a lot of sex workers or ex-sex workers on various social media platforms and kind of that's the discourse that I've kind of consumed so it's kind of what I've picked up from from them really um so hopefully anything that I'm saying is not because obviously I am pro-sex work and especially pro-legalisation. But yeah, I think it's a really, really interesting, especially in the 21st century when I feel like it's such a, and the online generation, it's such a hot topic. I feel like it's actually, it's really interesting thing to discuss. I think so too. And I think, you know, it would be really interesting if anyone who's listening as well has like, wants to inform us further or wants to have like a more nuanced discussion with us because I think that that's kind of what this platform is all about it's not necessarily giving an expert opinion it's more about like learning talking together and kind of growing and yeah learning from one another um I think that you raised a really like good point when you were talking about bodily autonomy within a patriarchy you know to what extent actually does the concept of bodily autonomy become a bit negated if we live in a system that's inherently oppressive I think that's really interesting you know <laughs> um because I think as well at me it, it's sort of it's difficult it's really nuanced and there's so many caveats and so many pitfalls um because you know you can even even if you take away from necessarily things that are sex work based like how much how far can women reclaim things or reclaim sexuality and sexiness in a in an environment that only looks at sex through a male gaze way you know what I mean it's it's really really difficult you know yeah even much but before in if we're talking about the male gaze way before you get to the kind of explicit male gaze stage of 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 sex work even things like 
getting dressed up for a night out that makes getting dressed up and getting ready to go out and doing my hair and makeup is one of my favorite things to do I absolutely love it like I love doing my makeup I love doing my hair even like the whole process of getting ready like taking time for your taking time for yourself like makes me feel so good for me it's kind of like I I would include like hair and makeup and getting ready and like picking a nice outfit as kind of like a part of self-care for me but then you do all that and you're like wow I look really hot I feel great and and you think oh I'm doing this for myself and it does it's it's not that the feeling is disingenuous because it genuinely makes me feel great and it's not even it, and if it makes me feel great it would make me feel great if I was sat alone in my room even if it's not like I'm okay it's not like I'm like oh well I look great therefore I'm gonna pull or get with someone therefore I will be happy it's kind of it's a fit it's, it's enjoyment of the process and it is genuine but that's not surely if we were to take ourselves completely outside of a pa- the the patriarchy and the male gaze I, I do I don't know if this would be the case because we will never know kind of how it would be but surely that wouldn't make me feel anything wouldn't make me feel as good you know it's kind of it's really interesting so in my head it's not it's the in my head the happiness is organic but yeah is it I don't I don't I don't know yeah and I think as well it's like it's it's difficult because we will never know what things are kind of almost and this is the this is one of the real anxieties and agonies I think about when I'm thinking about my own feminism or my own relationship with feminism is how much of this is my organic choice? You know, how much and some of the things and I think you made a really good point before we started, which is not every action that a woman has to do needs to be inherently feminist. And actually yeah. repeating this mantra has actually has let me forgive a lot of I know. You know a lot of you know, a lot of things that I do which aren't necessarily the most feminist like you were saying like enjoying being you know having a moment where you think yeah I look really nice and I'm enjoying this night out and yeah I think my dress looks incredible and yeah I look sexy you know what I mean it's, yeah I think it kind of yeah. links back sorry it kind of links back to what we were talking about last week which is um the pressure on women to to do everything right all the time yes yeah so it's like you have to be it's like oh am I am I a good enough feminist am I doing you know am I am I is everything I do because I went through a sort of period of when I first started really really engaging in feminist discourse having a bit of a crisis sort of being like well I should you know I shouldn't I've this all this enjoyment I get from all these things is it's just because I it's just because I'm making myself effectively by doing by dressing up and looking nice making myself more pleasing to the male gaze but you can't live your life like that because it would just be you have to do what makes you happy sometimes without thinking too much about as long as as long as it's genuinely making you happy and you're not doing it specifically for someone else there's I would say that that's still that that's still very much within your bodily autonomy. It's because it's, in a way it's not that deep. I mean, because you would just exhaust yourself. It was just it would just be you'd be just so sad all the time because the male gaze is everywhere. You know. <laughs> I completely agree. I think that there are certain elements that I've kind of tried to start implementing into like my going out routine that kind of are trying to negate some of them, but obviously we'll never be able. So like, for example, I saw a really good TikTok the other day and it was about this, um, this, uh, this, um, this person picking apart 
this video that some like responding stitching another video basically talking about hey like not eating before you go out on a night out which is something that i would i would routinely do uh because i don't want to look bloated in my outfit and they were picking this apart and being like look like this is this is <laughs> this is not a good thing this is not a very good thing within the like going out sphere of you no know, it's not the, good it's not, because it's like buying into the kind of like a diet culture kind of idea where oh if you don't look like you have the most super flat like tummy or whatever then you're not fit and I didn't actually ever sit down and think about this for example I didn't ever sit down and be like hey actually not wanting to appear bloated over anything else is ridiculous because every and I need to start like eating properly before I go out because yeah it's just not a great thing to do because I get way too drunk way too quickly yeah I used to to be a big one for not eating before I go out and then in second year I was like fuck this partly because not so not so much the bloating whatever because generally I it was when I was younger but I just go clubbing in jeans you know Mm. now so it's not really it's not really too much of an issue I'm not I don't really I don't really I don't really feel my best in tight dresses full stop anyway mm. but um oh just the hangover man if you the hangover yeah. if you don't eat before you go out is rancid it's horrible. horrible like it's the different if you eat like if you eat a big water pasta before you go out you'll have a much longer night feel much less shit in the morning so yeah that's definitely a good practice to uh and it's really funny as well because I've recently really <laughs> realize that I'm intolerant to gluten so actually a lot of the bloating was actually I was eating a load of fucking gluten and then swelling up to be like nine months pregnant yeah and you know it all ties into one another I feel like this is this to anyone tuning in at this point or anyone like who skipped this point it might seem like we've gone like a bit further away from bodily autonomy but I think all of these kind of like discussions like they're really beneficial to have like what is because it like we were saying it's really important to not always overanalyze everything that you do as well because you know it's really difficult i think for for people for you know for women and non-binary people who live in this like system that's very oppressive it's really difficult for people to not hold yourself to like a, or not not hold yourself to a really high standard but kind of like overanalyze everything that you do like is this action feminist enough is this action you know inclusive enough you know what I mean it can be really easy to slip into that but I think as well it's important to have these conversations but it's also important to like practice self-forgiveness as well it's okay to not know everything all the time it's okay to not you know always do acts that could be classified as feminist you know what I mean because it's just it's a complete like full of pitfalls it's really difficult it's interesting that you mentioned um non-binary people actually because I feel like bodily autonomy and I would love to have a it's a shame that we couldn't do like an interview it's a shame that because I feel like this this topic would be really one that would really benefit from interviewing people because I feel like trans people and bodily autonomy is a huge huge thing because I feel like people the way the discussion the current discussion around trans rights and trans issues is basically just the policing of trans bodies in a way and their 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 reproductive rights their rights to transition their that yeah their the trans people's bodily autonomy is debated 
is debated in law it's debated in online spaces in public their their very existence kind of goes back similarly to what you're saying about disabled people in a, in a, in a kind of, in this, I feel like the, the framing of the discussion is similar in a sense that their 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 entire their rights to their bodies and how they should or shouldn't be present or shouldn't or should or shouldn't behave or they should be allowed to do this or 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 not this is constantly debated so like it's it's hard for women I mean we're we're constantly wondering whether our autonomy is really our our own but at least our our existence isn't being isn't being actively debated I mean it must be I just can't even imagine is really it must be it must be really really difficult and I think you're right in the sense that it's 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 mind-blowing because it seems like so many conversations about trans and non-binary people happen without them as well like you were saying in lawmaking in you know parliamentary discussions and all of these in medicine as well in medicine but how can you possibly have an interesting or like I don't know noteworthy conversation if you're excluding the people that you're talking about completely it just doesn't make any sense and also if you take a step back and think about what you're actually doing when in these in these lawmaking in these discussions about trans people that are had amongst exclusively cisgender people these are real people with real bodies and like there's I feel like they're talked about as sort of the body of the sort of the body politic of of trans people and it just makes it's just so upsetting to me because it's yeah it's like imagine especially when men talk about it because it's imagine if men because they just talk about it in a in such an in a such a senseless kind of way emotionless way in a way that you could only talk do if you never had your bodily autonomy yeah called into question yeah I, it, it, it's like um i saw a really good art, uh, interview Fine. sean Fay. she's oh written, um, my god i yeah. love sean Fay. Yeah. And I, I just trend, have, uh, I bought, no i bought it for my mum first um and she's reading it right now and then i'm gonna read it after she's finished she's loving it by the way recommends oh, it to everyone. I, I follow sean Fay for a while now and i absolutely love her yeah, she, but like I remember her making an like a really good point, which again can also be pl- applied to the other marginalized group of dis- disabled people, which is people talk about transgender people in a homogenizing way, like they're one group. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just one. There's like like group of people that have like no the good trans person. It's like the the ideal trans person, the passing trans person, the like you know that 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 yeah, yeah. that society wants every trans person to be, but that's that just negates the beauty of transness in the same way that it negates the 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 kind of individualism of of disability, you know. Yeah, and it's like people refer yeah disability and just like people who are disabled or people who are transgender it, it, they're such big groups with so individual experiences individual you know people within them that believe one thing and believe another you know and it, you just mm. lose any nuance when you talk about these things by just sort of being like one 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 kind of label or one conglomerate for everything I also think it's important following on from, from something you said like a couple of minutes ago I think when you were talking about you know the way that 
sister and the men tend to talk about um, uh, bodily autonomy is in a way that where their like rights have never been questioned because I had a really interesting discussion with um, a friend like a couple of weeks ago where he was talking about um, I don't really understand why like or he didn't really understand like why abortion and abortion rights was like is still like a massive massively talked about topic in the UK because he was like under my kind of like assumption or like he was like I didn't really think that there were many groups calling for like an end to abortion rights in the UK and I, and it was because we were talking about the abortion laws in the US um, and I was like yeah but like you have to understand how looking viewing those events <laughs> as someone who would be directly targeted by them it's not that far away, for one. It's not that geographically far away. The United States is not on an alien planet. Two, it's not that far away in history that this was a, like, and it's, you know, and it's happening now in like Northern Ireland as well. Like these are not, you know, people who have had lots of key parts of their existence questioned, don't just forget it. Like, oh, it was only five years ago. It was only 10 years ago. And like, I, I think it was a productive conversation at the end of the day. But it made me realize that a lot of like people kind of think or like a lot of the time it's like cisgender men who think like, well, once that issue was resolved, that's it. Never have to worry about it again. You know, and especially about bodily autonomy. Oh, like um, like um, the whole point is in America, they're like going back on laws that have been there since the 70s. You know, Roe versus Wade. They're trying to like roll them back. It shows that like there is never there is almost never the ability to rest on your laurels because yeah. everyone's always trying to switch up and you know and it and it also just shows how how different lawmaking is to culture mm. and how realistically the passing of a law doesn't change people's opinions it takes generations really to genuinely yeah. embed new ways of thinking yeah it's and it's yeah and it, it almost surprised me as well because I I feel like it was difficult for me to understand how someone could like not think <laughs> I don't know I was looking at it from a very like female case I was like I see this stuff that happens like in other countries and I'm terrified like the yeah. idea that this service that is so crucial for women's reproductive health care which is not the majority across the world like it's not the majority view across the world you know what I mean like yeah. access to abortion and abo- uh, abortion services yeah and, you know? and it was well for in America especially um in some ways I felt like I'm almost sometimes more clued up about about the 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 issues in in, in America because they're spoken about as if as if they're like number yeah. one yeah they circulate a lot more um but yeah, the same issue with abortion rights and also trans rights to healthcare in the states. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think it's just interesting how, if you've ever felt like you're, if you're in a part of a group who routinely gets their bodily autonomy debated or called into question, or personally, you you know, you've ever felt like you weren't able to exercise it, you approach issues with a level of empathy which can be really frustrating when people making people who have the power to change those things don't always have the capacity to approach them with that empathy um yeah no I completely agree never underestimate like the the passionate anger and like the genuine emotion that I think lots of marginalized people or like people in marginalized groups have about 
you know certain issues I Mm. think that anger and that passion is like really beautiful and it somehow somehow it gets twisted into oh the trans agenda yeah, or, yeah, the you know, feminist agenda. The, the black yeah. agenda. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When these people are just trying to exist, they're just yeah. trying to create space for themselves yeah, to be I able think... to have full control over their lives. Yeah, I think that we should celebrate the passion, the emotion, the anger, the empathy, you know. We should celebrate all of it because it, it's how it's how movement happens movements and change and revolution is never comfortable for like lots of people involved either personally or publicly yeah exactly and I think a lot of the time people have this idea of like and especially people that aren't necessarily affected by lots of these issues kind of have this idea that there's like a polite way to revolutionize things there's a polite way to get things when there actually really isn't because politeness in a way kind of buys into like norms that you know people are trying to change you know what I mean actually sometimes there isn't a polite way yeah to assert yourself and that's fine we should celebrate that you know fuck politeness like we have to you know be authentic rather than polite exactly I think that's a really good place to end actually fuck politeness (laughs) I want my I want my bodily autonomy back (laughs) so I think it's it's a really good way to like just trying to set like a little bit of bodily autonomy this week just say yeah stop fucking saying sorry stop apologizing for your existence everyone stop it yeah <laughs> you deserve and to be here take time for yourself self-care is exercising your bodily autonomy i would say mm-hmm. in I little agree. ways that make you feel empowered small joys small yeah. little joys <laughs> don't let people take it away from you very yeah. important and like like we said as well, anyone who wants to chat and talk to us or, you know, correct us in any way, please feel free to reach out to us. This this is all about like learning and growing together. So I think we yeah. really benefit from that. We'll see you all next week. So bye. Bye, bye everyone. Bye.